and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8. As we closed 2017 last week, we asked a simple question, how dusty are you? How dusty are you? And uh, if you weren't here, uh, the basis of that question really came from Matthew 4, when Jesus calls his first disciples and he says, hey, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And uh, a while back, we, we looked at the beginning of 2017. What does it mean to follow Jesus in the cultural context of a rabbi and a Talmud? That's, that's the rabbi and the followers, a Talmud, the plural is Talmudin. And so we saw that culturally, when a rabbi said, hey, come follow me, a Talmud would willingly, enthusiastically say, woo, yes, and would follow a rabbi this close, would follow the rabbi. And it's a lot different, I I believe, than many of us in in Western thought uh, understand because we tend to think of rabbi and student much like school where, oh, the rabbi just teaching a bunch of academic stuff and I'm just supposed to learn what he says and then maybe regurgitate it on a test. Very academic Western mindset. We saw last week that this rabbi Talmud system was radically different. When a rabbi said, come follow me, a Talmud, a student would say, yes, he's called me. I'm leaving everything. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving everything. I'm denying myself, taking up my cross, loving him more than mom. All those verses, right? Now they make sense. He follows the rabbi wherever the rabbi goes. He follows not just the teaching. He becomes, his desire is to become like the rabbi in how he speaks, in his mannerisms, when he eats, when he rests. If you were here, I followed Rabbi Mark around last week in in here, right? This close. This close. So the relationship was much less school, much less academic, much less, much less heady that we tend to think of it. It was relationship. Come follow me with the desire to be like me in all aspects. Much clearer picture of our calling as disciples of Christ. Right? And out of that, we learned that there was a prayer, very common prayer in the culture, and the prayer was, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. What a great prayer. So the student, the prayer was, hey, students, hey, followers of rabbi, follow so close along those dusty trails that you are literally physically covered in the dust of your rabbi. That's how closely you should follow him at all times. Never out of earshot, never out of eyesight, always watching because I want to be the rabbi. I just don't want to spout back what he says. I want to be him. I want to be him. I want to follow him so close that I am covered in his dust, covered in his dust. And here's the thing, which even makes more sense. How many of you are familiar with the Great Commission, right? We've heard of that. Go and make disciples. Well, what would happen in this rabbi Talmud relationship is once the student got to the certain point where the rabbi discerned, you're like me. You really have become me. He would commission that Talmud to now go make disciples. Mini-me's. Right? 
That's the Great Commission. When Jesus says, go make disciples, he's commissioning us to make many Jesuses because we're supposed to be like him in all aspects, right? And so the question last week was, well, as we're wrapping up 2017, how dusty are you? How closely were you following Jesus in 2017? How closely? Were there things that, you know, you say it kind of got a distance, you know, other priorities, maybe got a little lazy, other things just happened. And suddenly, maybe you started off strong, resolution, and just things happen. And, you know, maybe, how many of you have a relationship with Jesus that tends to do this? I'm good. And then things happen, life and suddenly you're not reading scripture, you're not going to church. It's just kind of this ebb and flow, right? And, and the great question for us last week, winding up the year, was, well, how dusty are you? And a good, it's a good healthy check, good healthy check. I told you last Sunday that the question for today as we launch into 2018 is, how dusty are you willing to get? How dusty are you willing to get looking ahead? How dusty are you willing Right? It's an interesting question, right? And it's really based on Matthew 8. Look at Matthew 8, starting in uh, verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law, you can consider him a lawyer, professional, right? Knows scripture, teaches scripture. Then a teacher of the law, a scribe in other versions, came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a great resolution, isn't it? Right? It means I'm willing to get dusty. Cover me in dust wherever you go. Right? We would probably want to assume that Jesus would go, Woo! Yeah, I got all kinds of ministries for you to sign up for. Right? Which one do you want to do? Wherever, right? Oh, children's? Right? Which ministry? Right? We would tend to celebrate a resolution, a, a, a comment like that around the church. Hey, I will follow you wherever you go. I'm willing to get dusty. Right? But look what Jesus says. Very interesting. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What? Not the rah-rah cheerleading response that most people probably expected. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man. Now, the Son of Man is just real simple. It's a reference back to Daniel 7 in 13 and 14 where the Son of Man is referred to the Messiah. Okay, it's a title that Jesus claims for himself that the Jews, when he said 80 times he says, refers to himself as the son of man, he's claiming messiahship. That's, that's what son of man means. It's back to Daniel 7, 13. So, he, so he's referring to himself. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Messiah, me, hey, I have no place to lay my head. Can you run that by me again? Because I thought you were this celebrity and you were doing miracles and everyone was coming out to see you and I wanted to go where you were going. I wanted to be with you, Jesus, because rabbis knew that they kind of got some street cred by who they were following. 
So if Jesus is the man and he's doing miracles and he's going from town to town and crowds are coming out flocking to see Jesus, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Hey, who are you with? I'm with Jesus. I'm one of his Talmud. Right? Jesus kind of knows something's going on in this guy's heart. In fact, John 2, all right, John 2 says, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. So Jesus' response to this great declaration, I'll follow you wherever you go. He says, really? I'm homeless. I'm dependent on people providing food, clothing, and shelter. Mr. Scribe, Mr. Lawyer, is that what you were really? Is that, is that really what you're after here? See, Jesus is checking his heart. He knows what's in man. He knows what's in me. He knows what's in you. And, and this morning as we, as we launch into 2018, I got to tell you, I, part of me wants to say, Jesus, wherever you lead this year, Wherever you lead, and as, a, as a husband, as a dad, in my own walk, as a man of God, as a pastor, wherever you lead this church, we're going. Amen? Uh, careful now. Careful. Because he says, oh, really? Really? Foxes have holes, pastor. Birds have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head. Is, are you really willing to get that dusty this year? It's a heart check. It's a heart check. And, and, and I love that it's a teacher of the law, scribe, because I, I, I tend to think of it in application more for us in, in comfortable Ojai, kind of how we are. And, and Jesus knew something was going on. His motives were, were maybe not where they really needed to be. And this answer really cut to the chase. Really? You're going to go put your, you're going to lay down with me in the wilderness on a rock? That's not the life you're used to. You're used to accolades. You're used to people sitting under you. You're, you're a teacher of the law. You know your stuff. You're going to come with me and be dependent on people? Ask for help? That's getting dusty. That's getting dirty, right? And it's a challenge to us because there's this desire to follow Jesus. I don't doubt our desire. I don't doubt our, maybe a good resolution. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be covered in his dust. But here's my encouragement. Take a realistic assessment. Count the cost. Count the cost. Because Jesus knows us. Jesus knows us. Right? And, and there's these cultural... The minute you say, I want to follow you, Jesus, immediately you're confronted with these deep cultural values and things that, that rear up two deeply ingrained cultural values. In, in this culture, we all live in personal peace, affluence. Right? The American dream. The American dream. It's just something where we're raised. Independence. Control. Any control freaks in the house? You sitting next to one maybe? Just don't raise your hand, right? Just We're raised with these deep things that when we say, Jesus, I want to follow you, immediately something, mm. Really? Really? I found this article really interesting. By a guy named Frank Powell, he says, Seven signs you love the American dream more than Jesus. Seven signs you love the American dream more than Jesus. And I'll just give you two of them. Number one, if Jesus returned today, you would be disappointed. 
my life's good. I was going to watch the game on my new TV with the boys. Did you have to come today? If Jesus returned today, you would be disappointed. Oh. Right? It's, that's deep. That's, 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 that's convicting, right? The radical life of Jesus sounds more like a threat than good news. Take up your cross, follow him. Oh, man, that's, oh, man. that means I might have to give up some things. And whoa, 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 that's, that's threatening, right? Whereas in the culture, Talmud, when they were accepted to follow rabbi, they willingly, they joyfully, willingly said, I'm in, all in, boom, here I am. Right? It's a heart check. It's the same heart check for us as Jesus does to this, this teacher of the law. You want to follow me in 2018? How willing, how, how, how dusty are you willing to get? Because it's not necessarily where I'm going. It's what you're going to have to leave. What, what is he going to call you and I to give up, to surrender, to submit as we follow him and get dusty? That's kind of the core challenge, right? I love this quote by Francis Chan. Why would we need to experience the comforter if our lives are already comfortable? Many of us, as part of the culture of this American dream, we're pursuing comfort. Get it all in order. Get it all and just get, get, get to a level of comfort. Material, financial, relational. I just want to be comfortable. Right? I just got to get comfortable. And suddenly, you know, we read, well, I'm going to send you the comforter. Okay, thanks. I'll let you know when I need him. Right? Right? This, this, how, how willing am I to really just, yes, Jesus, yes, yes, let's do this. Right? What, what's, what's, What's the biblical help, the biblical truth that, that helps us confront these, these deeply ingrained cultural values and resistance, right? And, and, I, and I look back at us again, well, it kind of goes back to understanding what follow me means. Because follow me has two words in it. What is it? Okay. <laughs> right? Follow me. Okay, it kind of sounds in our Western mindset, follow, right? We looked at this before, and it's really important. We got, this is why I love the scripture, and this is why you've got to understand it. In Luke 22:20, 20, he talks about the new covenant. When you put your faith in Jesus, you enter into a covenant relationship. This, Jesus calls it the new covenant, right? In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out. If you know the word for covenant in some versions, it's testament. That word covenant is, 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 the most, is, I think, is key to understanding this relationship. It's the word diatheke. Everyone say diatheke. Right? In the Bible, in, in the culture, there's two words for covenant, diatheke and suntheke. Right there? Suntheke, covenant, is a covenant, an agreement, like a peace treaty. We're peers, and so we're going to negotiate. And we're going to come to a covenant agreement, a treaty, a business arrangement, but it's a negotiation between peers. That's suntheki. When Jesus says we're in, we enter into a new covenant with him, he uses a very specific word, diatheki. Diatheki covenant is a covenant from the greater to the lesser. 
where the greater sets the terms and the lesser either the only thing they do is agree or disagree. There's no negotiation. That is the covenant relationship that he says we enter into. Most of us want to follow Jesus with sunteki. We want to negotiate. Anyone ever negotiate with Jesus? You don't really mean that. And I gave up this, this, this. Can I just keep this? Right? We want to sunteki with Jesus. We want to be in a covenant relationship where we're negotiating all the time. He says, no. A covenant with me is diatheki. Greater to the lesser. And the lesser reaps all the benefits. You think about the gospel, right? How many of you here have put your faith in Jesus? Right? Based on scripture. Right? Based on scripture. Do you understand that the gospel is diatheki? The greater set the terms. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, right? For if we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Do you hear the greater setting the terms? The gospel is a covenant relationship where God, the ultimate greater, set the terms. So when you came to Jesus in salvation, you agreed to a diatheki. You entered a diatheki covenant relationship on his terms. And he just says, just keep doing that now. Just keep walking in diatheki with me. Rabbi Talmud. Right? The challenge for us in sanctification is that, again, we transition from diatheki to suntheki. We get confronted with the scriptural truth that we may not really like, that we find really difficult. Oh, forgive those, you know, forgive your enemies. Anyone light up about that one? And you're like, oh, really? Really, Jesus, can we talk about this? Can we talk about this? Because that's, that's a hard one. Can we negotiate that one? Right? And so when we're confronted at times in our walk with Jesus, we try to make it in back into Sunteki. Versus, okay, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done in the power of the Spirit. Right? So follow me begins and continues with a diatheki covenant. So that, that's important to understand. If you're going to follow him this close, it's diatheki. It's diatheki, greater to the lesser all the time. And the lesser reaps all the benefits. Crazy, right? And then he says, follow me. If we're going to be willing to be covered in his dust, we have to understand that being a Christian is not just about assenting to a series of propositions and principles. He says, follow me. It's personal. Your walk with Jesus, your covenant, new covenant, diatheki relationship with Jesus is personal. It's personal. Follow me. Be this close with me. Me, 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 me. What can happen over time, or if we're not taught correctly, we believe or we slide into this idea that I'm a Christian because I just believe. Da, 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 da. I assent to, yeah, I agree that. Da, 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 da. I must be a Christian because I just agree to those principles. Maybe they're valid, but we somehow have lost the me part, the personal following part. Right? And we've slid into more of an academic Western mindset. 
That's why this is challenging. The way we do church uh, in the United States, this is very challenging. Because I'm talking at you, and you're sort of processing it like you're in school. And we sit you in rows, and you're not allowed to talk. How many of you? School, all over again. I know that. It's tough. That's why we put things on, to keep you awake and wake you up. And Been there, done that. Let's just be honest about it. The way we do church in America is so academic, so Western, that inadvertently we're teaching you that Christianity is just greater school. And now just learn all the right stuff and just spit it out back. And you're, you're good to go. That's a challenge. And that's one of the reasons when, when Christianity becomes so heady and so academic, suddenly our gauge in Christianity is just being good and moral. Where scripture says we're called to be godly and holy. See, godly and holiness, godliness and holiness will come out as you follow Jesus. I can be good and moral just by following a set of rules. A bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts. I'm good and moral. I'm a Christian. I'm good. Biblically, we're called to follow Jesus in a diatheke covenant relationship, and it's personal. It's deeply, deeply personal. Just come follow me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. My yoke, my teaching, that's what yoke is in that verse. My teaching is light. My burden is light. Come to me. Come to me. Right? And so maybe this morning, maybe this morning, as you're asking, Lord, how, how, will, how dusty am I willing to get? Maybe you just got to take a moment and go, whew. Okay. <sighs> Diatheke versus Suntheke. How am I relating to Jesus? Am I trusting him? Am I walking in faith and obedience? Diatheke? Or do I negotiate with him all the time? Ever have a kid that you love dearly that just questions everything and wants to negotiate everything? Anyone have one of your kids want to negotiate bedtime? Oh, come on. Half an hour more. One hour more two hours more, right? Sometimes we slide into that mode where we just get into this negotiating mode, right? How many of you as a parent ever said, no, it's for your good? Well, how many of us have ever had heard God say, no, it's for your good? Just trust me. I'm a good God. I love you. Trust me, right? Diatheke, I have your welfare in mind. Okay, maybe it's okay. Lord, did I lose the personal aspect of, of following you? Has, has my relationship with you become kind of heady? Am I, am I kind of focused on, on principles and propositions versus just following you, Jesus? Because Jesus was laser sharp in his mission, right? Jesus was laser sharp in his mission. I love this, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right? Here's the challenge with this. If we're going to follow Jesus and be laser sharp in our vision around here, which is to passionately follow Jesus, if you look at the Gospels, as Jesus did that, he wasn't a very popular fellow. He wasn't a very popular fellow. The Jews were expecting a political Messiah, a king, to free them from Roman tyranny, 
right? So they weren't very thrilled with Jesus because he didn't meet their expectations, right? The religious leaders, when they saw Jesus hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners, having dinner with them, game night, like, can you believe that? Rabbi Jesus is over there with them, right? And then, not only does, he, does Jesus get it from the Jews as a whole, because he's not their political messiah, he's not their military king and, and deliverer, he gets it from the religious leaders because he's hanging out with the wrong crowd, right? He even gets it from his own boys, his disciples, right? Turn to Matthew 16, right? Jesus even gets this from his own boy, Peter, good old Peter. Look at Matthew 16. 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He's Jesus, Jesus telling them what is about to happen. Jesus, Messiah, God, telling them what is about to happen. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So Jesus is telling his boys, hey, this is what's going to happen. Peter rebukes Jesus. Catch that now. Jesus, God, Messiah, is telling his boys what's going to happen. Here, follow me. We're going to Jerusalem. If you're going to follow me. Peter takes him aside and says, are you crazy? What are you talking about, Jesus? Wake up. He rebukes him. That is a powerful word. Peter is rebuking Jesus. Why? Because Peter doesn't like what Jesus just said. It doesn't fit Peter's expectations. And he gets angry because it doesn't fit his box of what he thinks should happen to Jesus. And part of following Jesus, getting, being willing to be covered in dust, is to be willing to admit that he's outside of our boxes. He's outside of our boxes. And, and we got to walk by faith. And we might even have what I call a Peter moment where we go, Imagine how Peter must have felt for Jesus to say, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking of this like a man. You're not, you don't have your, you don't, you're not listening to God. You're trying to process this all at the human level. If we're going to walk with Jesus, if we're going to be willing to be covered in his dust, you know what to do? It's a walk of faith and trust and humility to say, I don't have it all figured out. A lot of us... We try to put Jesus and Christianity in these boxes and make it all fit. Make it all fit so it all makes sense. Right? And inadvertently what we do is we can even take people away from just following Jesus. And now they've got to follow this. A Christian means you're this or that. Right? What's the Great Commission? Look at, uh, put it up, Eileen. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus, now you know, understand in context when he says, make disciples, I'll go back one where it says, make disciples. He says, okay, now I want you to go make disciples with the outcome, the end goal being that they look like Jesus, right? So with that being said, as we launch forward as a church, as we move forward in my life as a pastor, as a pastor's church, I'm going to say something with all respect and sincerity, but I need to say it up front. It says, therefore, go and make disciples, right? Jesus did not say go and make Democrats, Republicans, or Independents. He did not say that. He did not say go and make followers of any political or social movement. Okay? Put it back up, I. I didn't write that. He said go and make disciples. Disciples are defined as those that look like the rabbi. Okay? I understand the culture of our where it is and all the flash buttons and all this kind of stuff and a lot of believers are getting sucked into this whole da 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 The word of God, a biblical viewpoint, should, yes, it should impact every area of your life. Amen? How you talk, lust, your thought life, how you treat your husband and wife, how you raise your kids. Your money, your time, how you act at work, forgiving and loving your enemies, bearing with one another, and then somewhere down the road where you stand politically. Here, we are committed to helping others passionately follow Jesus. To make disciples of Jesus the Christ. That's my heart. That's my passion. That's our heart. That's our passion. We are laser focused to simply be like Jesus and emulate his mission on this planet. Seek and save the lost. Amen? That is what we are about. And in fact, here's the thing. Our rabbi, Jesus' rabbi, says this. Hey, do you want the world to know that you're my disciples? Do this. John, look at John 13. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Hey, how many of you here want the world to know you're a disciple of Jesus? Amen? According to Rabbi Jesus, in his word, how does that happen? By agape love for one another. Not necessarily by hitting all caps on Facebook. By this, all men, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. (sighs) You know, seven years ago, we planted and we listened to the Lord and we said, Lord, yeah, okay. We believe we're we're called to be a church and and not just a Bible study. And and we had to put put some stakes in the ground. And one of the stakes we put in the ground was where we stood on this. That it's God's truth. 
And when you do that, you get immediately you, you get the hoorahs and you get the oh I should do it in, in your guys' language thumbs up, the likes, and the dislikes. You see, to be faithful to the Word of God, to passionately follow Jesus. To love one another with agape love, self-sacrificial love, supernatural fruit of the Spirit love is plenty to bear witness in this planet. It's plenty. So my caution, right, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, make sure you're following Jesus. He says, follow me. Follow me. And if you want if you got a lot of free time and you, you're just like, Lord, okay, do the, read and apply the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 through 7, that should keep you occupied. There's a sermon from Rabbi Jesus about what it means to follow him in very practical ways, lust, for loving your enemies, right, all of that. We are committed to passionately following Jesus as his disciples and making disciples of Jesus here. That's our heart. That is our passion. That is our singular mission to come alongside people and help them passionately follow Jesus as his disciples. Now, is there a place for discussion and, and, and dialogue about various issues that are in the world? Sure. Sure. I understand that. There's a time and a place. That's all I'll say. There's a time and a place. We can grow. Iron sharpens iron, right, Bill? Iron sharpens iron. So we can learn from each other. We can dialogue. We can have healthy discussion within the church without fracturing unity. We can have all of that. It's healthy. It's okay. But fundamentally, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship is committed to helping others passionately follow Jesus. That's what we do. That's what we do. And it's all rooted in the truth of Scripture. It's all rooted in the truth of Scripture. And it's a journey. It's a journey. We talk about metamorphosis. I put up that um, butterfly. We talk about this. That Jesus wants to transform us from the inside out. Right? The the, The picture is metamorphosis, the caterpillar to the butterfly. That's all of us. It's called sanctification. It's a lifelong process of becoming more and more like Jesus, following him so closely that by the end of following him, at the end of your time on this planet, you look more like the butterfly. That's what we're all on. That's a journey we're on as we're followers of Jesus, right? That's, that's what we're doing here. That's what, and it takes time. It takes time. It takes relationship building, right? I had a... Uh, an experience back in the early 90s. I was a youth pastor, and I met this young kid named Jeremy. Jeremy came from a, a very up, uh, rough upbringing. I met him when he was like a freshman and single mom, one brother, and somehow or another he got connected to our church. And I, started, I met him, and I started bringing him, picking him up and taking him to church every week. And Jeremy lived in the garage of his condo. So I'd pick him up. He'd, sometimes he's at the garage doors up. And I would pick him up, and I, and, and I noticed he had his mattress there, and he had this little bookcase above his mattress. And I, I remember noticing pretty quickly that on his bookcase he had all these little figurines. You know, like like monsters and 
Dungeons and Dragons stuff, all that kind of stuff. Kind of, even some kind of even like looking demonic, like all this stuff. And he was just into it. Non, non-believer, just a kid who wanted to come to church. And I saw he had two rows of all these little figurines. And so I get to know him. I say, hey, man, what's all that? Oh, I just like that. It's comics. It's this, it's this. I take him to church. Over time, he gets saved. Right? He gets excited for Jesus, begins learning scripture. One day I show up at his house. Quite a ways from the very first time that I saw these figurines. One day I show up. And all the figurines are gone. And I'm like, hey, Jeremy, what happened to all your stuff, all those figurines? He goes, ah, oh, dude, that wasn't glorifying to God. God had got a hold of him, and it transformed him from the inside out. He had transformed his mind scripturally. He transformed his heart to where, in obedience to scripture, this high school freshman removed these things that he understood was not glorifying to God. Just wanted to get rid of it. And then he shared this vision with me. He goes, hey, you know what I want to do? I want to be a Christian rapper. Rock on, Jeremy. You blonde-haired, blue-eyed freshman. You be a Christian rapper. But he was so excited. And you know, you go, okay. And and then I went to another church, and I lost track of him. I kid you not. I'm in San Diego several years later at a Christian bookstore, and I'm thumbing through the music section, and there's Christian rap. And I see one. I'm like, that guy kind of looks familiar. It's Jeremy (laughs) with dreadlocks. (laughs) And he has been part of the underground Christian rap scene in San Diego for 20 years with CDs and a whole ministry. And I'm like, okay, thank you, God. You are the one that transforms. All we came, did was come alongside Jeremy and help him to follow Jesus. We taught him the word of God. We loved him, and we wanted him to help, to help him understand what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And we trusted that as he followed Jesus, God is going to work out the details in his life. God is going to change his value systems. God is going to change his belief systems. God is going to change his desires. That's the same thing here. That's what we do here. That's why it takes a process. It's a long process. That's why we go out to great lengths to try to build relationships. Because we know you're all in process and I'm in process. Wherever you are on that metamorphosis. It's all in process. And there's things that that you might not fully understand scripturally, whatever arena... We want to teach you the word of God. We want to love you. We're going to speak the truth in love, but then we're going to back off and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Sometimes we rejoice, and quite honestly, sometimes it's gut-wrenching painful as people we love continue to choose not to follow Jesus and bear the consequences of It's gut-wrenching. It's gut-wrenching. If you're a parent and you just wish that you could just... How many of you have had that illustration? I just want to open up their head and put it all in there. And then they'll be okay because I'm... Anyone? Well, sometimes... Oh, thank you. There's an honest person in the back sitting next to her daughter. So, um... 
Sometimes pastorally, we get that way. And it's not that we're frustrated at you. We love you so much that it kills us. We are so pained because we just want you to know Jesus and trust him and love him and let you transform him. You transform you. Amen? That's all we want. We're not here to ruin your life. We're not the spiritual popo. When I call you because you weren't here, it's because I genuinely am concerned. Not, oh, it's Pastor Richie. He wants to know why we weren't there. (laughs) Maybe because I like you and I missed you. And I noticed you weren't here and you were in Connecticut. (laughs) We love you. We're going to speak the truth in love here. But just understand we are laser sharp that we are here to produce and, and help others. Follow Jesus. Okay? Sometimes it's tough because there's a lot of expectations that come through that door. A lot of expectations. This is what a church should do. This is what a pastor should do. I understand that. I've been in this for 27 years. There's no way to please everybody in this room. Believe me. I, I get that. Therefore, what do we do? We go back to our calling and our vision. Make disciples. We're going to do that faithfully, not perfectly. Not perfectly. But we're going to be faithful. If I had to drive a stake in the ground and was getting called on something on this planet, and I'm going down with this in Jesus. That's just my heart. I'm just being honest with you. If it push comes to shove on this planet, there's no compromise for this church. This is the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for reminding us today that uh, to follow you, we will get dusty. We will. It's not really a question. It's a statement. You will get dusty. But it's okay because we trust you. We're called to a covenant, diatheke relationship with you. It's a walk of faith. And so uh, as we launch into 2018 as a church family... Um, By faith, we say, nevertheless, not our will, but your will be done. We trust you. We have driven the stake at this church about scripture, about what it is to be saved, and about our vision to help others just passionately follow you, Jesus. Just passionately follow you. And by faith, we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit will, will transform people from the inside out. Something that we can't do. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So we'll trust that. And as we prepare for communion, Jesus, once again, we come forward maybe in a a symbolic act of following, a symbolic act of yielding, a symbolic act of trust. That yes, as we launch into 2018, we don't know what's going to happen, but we can choose to follow you. We can choose to be willing to be covered in your dust even when we don't understand the path that you're taking us on. We love you dearly, Jesus. We take this time of communion in remembrance of you. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for your grace. If you're here and you have not put your faith in Christ, Jesus, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. So if you're at that place to start off 2018 with us and just put your faith in Jesus alone for salvation, 
just do that. Just talk to him in the best way you know how. Just say, Jesus, I'm trusting you fully for my salvation. I believe you crucified, you died, you rose from the dead in payment for my sin. I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. I want to follow you. If you do that, by all means, come join us for communion in remembrance of Jesus.